You're invited to take a vacation from everybody else's vacation to a place where you can explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and see a 65-foot waterfall that once powered an old mill that you can walk through today. Or just float along the cool, rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. See the places and plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdoor adventure. Mississippi. Wanderers welcome. On this episode of the Animation Deliberation Podcast, J. Scotty St. Clair and Zuhair Ali are back to cover Young Justice Season 1, Part 3, Episodes 10 through 17. Stay tuned for that and more after these ads we have no control over. One, two, three, let's get ready for... Animation Deliberation, a conversation and a celebration of our favorite action animated series, yeah... All right, all right, all right. right. Welcome back to the Animation Deliberation Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Scotty St. Clair, and today I am joined by Zuhair Ali to cover the next part of Young Justice Season 1. We're covering Part 3, Episodes 10 through 17. We're coming hot off of our coverage of the second part, so we're just going to roll right into it. How's that sound, Zuhair? You ready? That sounds great because this arc was filled with lots of action, lots of storyline, and I am very antsy to talk about it. Sweet, sweet. Well, kind of following suit of how we, we covered the previous episode, I will start by just kind of hitting what I think are the big swings. And then Zuhair can come and follow suit and fill in the gaps there. And then he can also provide a little context of why him being the resident young justice expert, uh, give a little context of why he recommend he recommended splitting up the episodes the way he did uh, for us to watch and for us to cover for this show. So, I'm uh, just picking up. We are reintroduced to Red Arrow, Roy Harper. Um, in this scenario, he goes up against uh, some members of the Light, chiefly Luther, uh, Lex Luthor, and Ra- Raish. Al Ghul, as his name is pronounced in this iteration. I'm uh, one of those people. I tend to pronounce it Raz Al Ghul, but uh, I can certainly adapt to Raish Al Ghul. I think I kind of go back and forth depending on which property and how they pronounce it in that. Oh, uh, that's 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 how you operate as well. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. It, it's funny that I think a lot of people that grew up on Batman the animated series they swear by Raish Al Ghul. And they were offended by Christopher Nolan's uh, pronunciation of Roz. But I, I'm similar to you. I, I kind of fluctuate back and forth between the two. Uh, but a, a quick thing I'll throw in there. Uh, as I mentioned Lex Luthor and his appearance there. I, I mentioned it to you. But the second I saw him, I have recently played um, some of the, the Hitman games. The, the recent iterations. And this version of Lex Luthor is, is Agent 47 to the T. <laughs> he just needs to swap out that turquoise tie for a a uh, red tie, and, and you got your Agent 47 right there. Slap a barcode on the back of his head, and we're ready to assassinate some people. But um, Other than that, we see uh, Superboy. He takes on the mantle of Connor Kent. Uh, he grows closer to McGann. Um, they basically go on a covert uh, operation together as well as start to attend school together. Uh we also get uh, ties back to the pilot. We were introduced to an attack on the 4th of July that came from the Ice family. We get some context. 
exactly why that was taking place. We get to visit uh, Belle Reve, which is often uh, associated with the Suicide Squad. It is probably the biggest uh, penitentiary in the DC uh, universe outside of Arkham Asylum, but uh, Arkham Asylum tends to focus on the, the more criminally insane, where as Belle Reve is just for the, the straight-up criminals, super criminals, I should say. Uh, moving on from there, uh, uh, Artemis and Robin are given a good opportunity to work together and save the team. Uh, we get some more context to... We don't get the full backstory to uh, Artemis's relationship to Cheshire. We do find out that she is related. It's her sister um, and that she was kind of abandoned as a, as a young girl. But we also get the defection of Red Tornado, um, the return to his creator, Tio Morrow, as well as uh, his siblings. And that's a, a pretty interesting arc there. And it, it results in the, uh, well, I'll, I'll save it when, when we get into the, the Red Tornado coverage, uh, character coverage there. Uh, other than that, we revisit the fact that we've seen all these uh, separate villains that seem to be doing their own thing that are loosely connected by the light. We get some more context as to what their relationship is and what exactly the light is trying to do here. Uh, we find out that the Cobra Venom that we saw back in uh, episode four from earlier this season is actually being used on anim animals first and then plants as well. And then we actually get the introduction of a scapes scapegoat for the secret society, which is the light. Um, they give us the Injustice Society to serve as a scapegoat. And uh, towards the end there, yeah, we get we get introduced to some of the more otherworldly elements in the uh, the residents of New Genesis as well as Apocalypse. And they definitely plant some seeds for uh, some... They definitely plant the seeds for the stakes to be raised uh, significantly, almost on a uh, universe-level ending degree i would say that's kind of where where i'm coming coming away from as far as the the big swings for this season um let me know let me know what i miss you here yeah so um like i said i've been kind of splitting up these arcs based off of general storyline and general vibes so that it's kind of easier to keep everything sure relevant to what we're talking about it's a lot easier to break it down and kind of cover these stories uh as they affect one of another um one of the things that I've I've mentioned is that like my love for Young Justice is probably equivalent to MCU because there isn't anything that gets put in there that doesn't get referenced later on. And the Venom is a huge example of that. Like this is something from episode three or four, whichever one Bane was in. Something very early on that you see becomes a constant factor, as a constant reminder. There's what any character that comes up, there's there's references, there's relations, there's things that come up uh, so something as big as the Venom being as relevant as it is that the Injustice League actually managed to cause a global issue, the Injustice League, sorry, caused a global issue that caused everybody so many problems to something as simple as the encounters at the school. I have to mention the scene because I know when we get into the fight stuff, I'm not going to remember it, but I geeked out every single time that I've watched this when... Artemis goes to Gotham Academy for the first time. Right. And Dick Grayson rums up and takes a selfie. We're like, we'll laugh about this someday. Showing that his identity is still very much a secret. Right. Right. 
nobody knows who he is on the outside. She's like, it's just some annoying freshman. Don't bother. And then Barbara was Barbara Gordon shows up and she's like, what was that all about? So then it's like, oh my god, Batgirl's here. Um, and there's other characters that show up on McGann's and Superboy's first day too that show up later. Uh, so there's there's no missed opportunities. Okay, they are really into the universe building. Everything is relevant. You'd find like these really nitty gritty Easter eggs that is really what makes this show so good because they they don't miss anything. It's very well done. Mm. But that also the main arc of the show is like they have really established themselves as a team now. They have their maneuvers, maneuver seven being one that they frequently use. Oh, good call. They have an understanding of how they fight with each other, their strengths, their weaknesses. Um, and also the big thing about this is the suspicion of who the mole is. Yes, I realized that was there, a, a big thing I left out, so go ahead. There is somebody, whether it be in the league or in the team, that's sabotaging and communicating with the light, who we get to see the whole light for the first time, too. Yes. And it's it's causing problems, and they've worked so hard, and they've shown so much like how much it matters that they have a solid connection between the team, but there's something, there is uh, a pebble in the shoe that's really causing disruptions and causing issue for this team to like stay focused. Like they found their mojo and this arc really shows the difficulty in maintaining that mojo. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I would agree with that. Uh, can you give a few examples of, of some of those instances where, you know, it seemed that they, they had found their groove, but then, whoever this mole is because I'm I'm pretty certain at this point in time we still do not have definitive truth over who the mole is there was oh quite a there was a, a, few, a few episodes there where it seemed like it was pretty likely that it was red tornado but it came out to 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 be that red tornado actually was the the ultimate hero he actually feigned um falling back into his father his creator's trappings in terms of you know pretending to be a part of his siblings uh greater scheme so at this point it's the creator's name is t.o morrow t.o morrow that's what it was yeah and then the other gentleman that uh i guess was piloting uh mr twister from our previous coverage his name is brahm stick which is i'm not super familiar from that with that character from the comics but it's clearly a uh play on broomstick (laughs) so anyway uh, we're, we're talking about, uh, the mole and, uh, red tornado there. So red tornado is not the mole. He, his name gets cleared. Uh, but that kind of leads us right back to Aqualad. He is the one that is entrusted with this privileged information and he gets it from an interesting source. He gets it from Sportsmaster, and that kind of goes back to what I I said in our previous coverage. This show has done such a great job of taking these obscure DC characters and actually making you care. Like before, if you would have told me sports character would, or sports character, sport, (laughs) sports character. I don't even take his name seriously. He's just a sports character. Some tool with a hockey mask. Yep. He's Jason Voorhees. But no, uh, Who makes you different than me? I'm not wearing hockey mask. There you go. There you go. I like that <laughs> reference. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah. Had you told me I would have been invested at all in a character called Sportsmaster, I, I 
wouldn't have taken you very seriously, <laughs> but uh, they do make him a compelling villain, and he's he's got some great action sequences. I, I that episode that uh, the episode is is basically another episode where we get uh, to spend a lot of time with Roy Harper, and his significant arc in this episode is that he actually learns to respect the Young Justice team, and he actually vocalizes that to Aqualad specifically because Aqualad points out that when he gets overwhelmed with, uh, you know, Ra's al Ghul, Ra's al Ghul, and, and Cheshire, uh, there's... Who else is there? I feel like there's another villain there. Well, this was a... That was an episode from the last arc. Um, the one where Aqualad and Red Arrow were working together, that was against Lex Luthor. Right, it was an uh, episode... Lex Luthor, Cheshire, Sportsmaster... Was it that Spider-Man looking dude? No, he was in the last episode. Uh, maybe it was... Uh, yeah, no, it was just Red Arrow and Aqualad versus... Cheshire, but Cheshire had a couple of accomplices. Well, accomplices. Okay, it was the accomplices. I just know he got he got overwhelmed, and he he knew he needed... one of them was literally Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. That's 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 what it was. They, yeah, it was her accomplices. I thought it was somebody more significant for some reason, but yeah. So he gets overwhelmed, and instead of calling upon Green Arrow, he he calls upon Aqualad and the and the Young Justice League. So. Definitely nice to see it. You mentioned how he is a character that has earned the right to kind of be that asshole. So it's it's cool to see that credence given. We we talked about how this the team has really come into their own and found their mojo. It's cool to see Roy acknowledge that as well. Yeah. It it was it was cool to see Lex Luthor acknowledge it. Yeah, that's true. Because Red Arrow saved him and a quick point about Lex Luthor before I keep going into this sure. it's really interesting how highly he's thought of in this universe like the world respects him as a businessman as a tech innovator and to the point where they're actually having him be the mediator between a diplomatic issue between two countries right and the, the fact that the world respects him to that level must really make superman's blood boil yeah there's no way he was watching that coverage going, uh, like, I'm glad I'm not the one who had to go save him. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, Red Arrow makes it perfectly clear that Justice League has fought against them before. Right. That he is a bad person, that there is a lot of shady stuff that he's uh, been involved in. So they've established very well that he is a villain. Sure. The world doesn't see him that way. He hasn't shown the. He hasn't given the world any reason to, to be perceived that way. Right. So for somebody of such high stature, who's gone against Superman and Batman, and has to dealt with the Justice League so many times, to acknowledge Red Arrow and be like, "You did a good job saving me, and I want to hire you to make sure that you keep doing that." And he has this wit and charisma of like. I'll pay you. It's like, I'm not interested in working for you. So, like, so you'll do it for free. <laughs> and uh, he, yeah, he just really has this charm and he's very intelligent, very knowledgeable. Like even working with the two leaders and like talking about like their, their tea culture and this and that, like it's, it's interesting. He really has this charm that gets people 
to make him believe he's the good guy. Like, he could be stabbing somebody to death right in front of them and be like, oh, look how good he is, yeah. putting him out of his misery. He was probably suffering at that point. Yeah. Well, we obviously do get the reveal at, at the end of this specific episode we're talking about that, you know, Lex Luthor and Rachel Ghoul are actually in cahoots together and this whole, you know, assassination was basically to get everyone on their side. And that just kind of goes to speak. You were, you were talking about how he's obviously gotten his hands dirty in the past and whatever his misgivings are, he has done a good job of keeping himself clean. But uh, another thing that I thought was kind of cool uh, is we do see this, this, this uh, universe's iteration of Mercy, Mercy Graves, and, and she's completely an android. She has that moment oh, yeah, where she's so cool. Yeah, it was it was really cool. I love that moment because I didn't see it coming at all. She did she have any lines before that? Because I think they did I a good so. yeah they did a good job of just kind of she was there and you it was, oh, yeah okay that's his that's his his hand that's his handmaiden that's pretty much always there. I, I don't know why I said handmaiden. Personal assistant is a better. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I guess I'm thinking pa- Padme here. <laughs> Uh, We've been watching Game of Thrones too much lately. <laughs> maybe <laughs> either that or the Handmaid's Tale. Maybe, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it was it was a cool moment, and it just goes back to I've pretty much said it every time, but I'm consistently impressed with how slick and fluid the action is. Um, with with a show that is so action oriented, it's it's so critical that they sell the action and they do. Um, I'm continually impressed and. It's it's got me on board. It's 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 really a joy to see. It's some of the best um, interpretations of these characters that you can find in live action, animated, or even in the panel. I, I dare say. But we can uh, we can move on there uh, from there. We we touched on Red Arrow, Lex Luthor, um, and we alluded to the fact that uh, Aqualad was the one with this privileged information, but there does come a point in time where uh, the rest of the team finds out that he had this information and he kept it close to the to the vest and didn't tell them. And that was one of the, the great moments where I thought it did a, a, an excellent job of showcasing the fact that these are still teenaged and immature heroes in a lot of ways because... Rather than understanding why he had to compartmentalize that information. You're invited to take a vacation. From everybody else's vacation. To a place where you can explore cypress swamps and magical gardens. And see a 65-foot waterfall that once powered an old mill that you can walk through today. Or just float along the cool, rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. See the places. And plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdoor adventure. Mississippi. Wanderers welcome. When it's time to give a truly special gift to that special someone in your life, why not turn to a jeweler you can trust? Solomon Brothers Jewelers is a family-owned business that's earned Atlanta's trust for decades with high quality, low prices, and the largest selection. Solomon Brothers has thousands of wedding bands, engagement rings, and loose diamonds in stock. Shop Solomon Brothers online at SolomonBrothers.com, SolomonBrothers.com, or stop by stores with locations in Buckhead or Alpharetta and experience the best. Uh, Wally and Robin specifically being the youngest members of the group are really, really kind of jaded at the fact that, uh, their original founding member kept this information from them. What'd you think about the fallout from there, uh, from that reveal and how, you know, Aqualad handled himself. 
he did he did have a nice moment with Batman after the fact where um it's it's kind of nice even though he is the leader he is still right alongside the rest of his team he he is always getting opportunities to learn how to be a leader yeah um as i think i've made it pretty clear on the show that i'm a i'm a batman fanboy and i just i love this this version of him so much and i've i've mentioned in just about every episode that he has this commanding presence that when he says something you you shut up and listen like you don't talk back to batman and when Batman's already had encounters with Aqualad of when he was homesick and he was like, you need to be here 100%. Aqualad is show that he's like, I'm here, I'm for the team, I have my reasons for keeping it a secret. Batman being the greatest person as secrets, like, who else would I talk to about this? Like, I, I, I don't know that the King of Atlantis is exactly the same mentor that Batman is in this situation. And it was a perfect fitting for being that that leadership status of like, how do I deal with this very, very sensitive material? Because I'm already struggling to keep them together. And um, another big factor was the fact that Captain Marvel was talking to him. Hmm. And Captain Marvel basically said everything that I've been saying these last two episodes of like, yeah, Batman's gotten on my ass a couple of times of like, you need to focus on the mission. It's about the mission. And that conversation between the two of them is what really made Aqualad go, okay, this is the type of stature that I need to get the respect. And when... And Captain Marvel did not chill on, like, calling him out, too. It was like, oh, no, you failed on getting the comms ready and getting a plan ready. That wasn't their fault. You're the leader. If Batman says something, we're going to do it. Wisdom of Solomon. Wisdom of Solomon <laughs> comes in handy. Yeah. So when they finally established a telepathic link, I, I was proud of Robin for like a split second because everybody was shit talking Aqualad. He was like, we just got attacked by blah, blah, blah. But I guess uh, you might think that I'm the mole. And I was like, no, you reverted back. I thought you were mission focused. But Aqualad did pull a Batman and just went enough. Yeah. I am your leader. We are at our mission. This is not up for debate afterwards if you want me to step down i will but for now we are on this mission and i was like that is fucking awesome yeah. like you hear his tone just shift and he he demanded that that presence mm. where it's like we are on a mission i am your leader people's lives that are on stake you are going to shut the fuck up and do exactly what i say right now and like he nailed that essence of what i like about batman so well in those couple of sentences. Yeah. But the mole really was a factor in in stepping in everyone. Like, Robin said it at the end of the episode. It's like, what you were trying to prevent, like, this concept of the mole, like, it actually succeeded. Right. Um, Artemis didn't want to talk to... Who was she pissed at? McGann was pissed at Superboy because they almost died with the whole tornado incident. We'll talk about that. Right. Uh, McGann was pissed at Superboy, so she was like, all right, Artemis, let's go. Superboy was just pissed off because, surprise, surprise, he has anger issues. Yeah, what else In case you guys didn't catch on to that (laughs) until now. He hates monkeys. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Gorilla Gorilla, such a fantastic name. Right. (laughs) Uh, Robin and KF were just being buddy-buddy and went off their own way, and just (laughs) poor Billy Batson was like, so, is this how your team always operates? Like... Right. It it really messed them up good. It it caused a lot of uh trouble 
in that episode and had they not gotten it together within that time span the future events that were to come would have been a lot more difficult to deal with yeah no doubt no doubt it does as much as it uh there are a couple instances in this this particular arc we're discussing where aqua lad's leadership is not only challenged by outside forces but he he really questions himself whether or not he's he's the right person for the job because after like you said he's like I'm willing to step down, but right now we need to do what we need to do. But it, it is really, it is poetic justice, pardon the pun there, that uh, he's he's proven right in the in the end. Yeah, he... Another thing that sticks out about his character, and I'm surprised I haven't mentioned it yet, but it, it really is uh, something that makes him super unique among the team, is his, his the way he speaks. He doesn't use oh, any yeah. contractions whatsoever. And I guess that's just being an Atlantean, but uh, it, it really sets mm-hmm. him apart, and... Uh, one of the things I like about him, but uh, that feels like a good opportunity to to bring up um, with his privileged information uh, about the mole. Uh, we kind of we touched on uh, Red Tornado's arc in the past, but one thing we didn't mention is in the in the wake of his absence, it that's basically what provides the opportunity for us to spend more time with these other members of the league. That's the whole reason that's captain marvel is there in the first place is because red tornado is out of the picture so we need folks like uh zatara well actually i guess zatara is there for a, a different reason they initially assume that he's there to be the the next you know what are they den mother den mother yeah that's that's what they call it um <laughs> but then that's when we get to spend some time with zatana but uh one thing i did want to highlight about captain marvel real quickly is the character design i i like it but Man, they made the dude wide. He is he has got a wide skull. <laughs> I was I could have stopped looking at his traps. Okay. Like his shoulders were ginormous. Like it it's no surprise that Dwayne Johnson is playing Black Adam in whatever upcoming feature because he definitely got the got the shoulder to fit that. Right, right. Yeah. That'll be interesting to see. Um Man it's shredded. Right, right. And it's it's funny, in the, in this episode they did a good job of like, if had you never, if you were not familiar with Captain Marvel or Shazam, you would have been like, okay, this guy's a, you know, Superman stand in allegory, something like that. But then you get that nice little capstone at the end of the episode where it is revealed that he is Billy bats and he goes home to his uncle and has to go to bed. And, uh, when we see him later on with having that information revealed, they kind of just like, embrace the childlike nature of the character much more so and it's it's funny to see him bond with uh with wally west kid flash over uh nachos and stuff yeah because they see him as an adult right <laughs> that that is supposed to be babysitting when in fact he is the youngest person in the team and the justice league he's 10 years old yeah yeah uh, and like he was like man this team is so much more fun they get to do this and do that like wally west was a big brother figure to <laughs> somebody who goes to his own superman right <laughs> that being said the way that 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 mammoth or elephant came in charging and he just went in head first like he's he's committed he's mm. ready he has no he- and that's a justice league vibe sure that's something that like you see a hesitation or a comment from the team but like as soon as a threat presented itself like Boom! He was in there and ready to go. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. Um, one of the other things uh, in this particular episode with them spending time, I believe they're in, they're in India when they encounter these mutated animals. Uh, mm-hmm. But we do get an addition to the team, um, 
in in way of kind of a mascot, if you will, a pet. Uh, and it seems like uh, it, he's Superboy's specifically, but we get that's when we get Wolf. Yep, the large white alpha male wolf. I guess I, I, I'm just now kind of realizing that's why the episode's called Alpha Male. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there's always there's always uh, some nice. The the episodes are always really titled really well. I always appreciate that. So yeah, despite it being Superboy's pet, it was actually a um, it was more of a connection to Aqualad. Oh yeah, in stepping up and sharing his position as the alpha. Yeah, that's. I'm I'm glad you you bring that up. Yeah, um, Aqualad barked. Right. Everybody else listened. Yeah, <laughs> that's very true. Very true. Uh, but that's like not the only companion i will say that superboy picks up along the way um at the very end of the series we get the the sphere or oh no no, no I'm, I'm getting confused here it was yeah, at, sphere happens first it was at the end of uh the last the, our last coverage it was at the in bereft that's when we first get introduced to the mm-hmm. the sphere um and towards the end of this arc the sphere actually uh starts to behave in different ways and then uh it opens it opens up and Superman basically rides it around like a little uh, hover bike, right? Yeah. 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 And um, Wolf is loving it. Like, he's chilling with his eyes closed and mouth open, just, like, enjoying the fresh air. Like <laughs> He's like, I don't need to go for a run right now. I'm chilling. Right. Right. Uh, but that is when we actually find out that that sphere... And again, it, it speaks back to what you said. Uh, they do... They plant these seeds. They plant these references... And they're there, uh, but they always come back to pay off. And you you don't know how, but when they do, it it it's always it's always really rewarding. So in this instance, when he's going off on the joyride, it's actually. I guess we should backpedal a little bit to give some context to this episode because it was a really good episode. The episode uh, prior prior to Superboy meeting the uh, the residents of New Genesis, we get a really. Uh, on a first watch, if you don't know what's going on, I was actually, I had to double check the episode count and make sure I didn't somehow skip ahead to the finale. Somehow with uh, everything that was yep. happening, especially within the first five minutes, uh, <laughs> we basically. And I, I didn't get to, I didn't get to share this earlier, but that's another reason that I made this arc the way that it was. Is oh, okay. It ended on something really traumatic that the team struggled to deal with. Yeah, that's that's and a great point. I, I, um, Originally, when I was making this arc, I wanted to stop it at the Injustice League, but I was like, no, like, this episode lines up perfectly to talk about, because it was just, yeah, uh, l- l- let me hear your experience about watching that episode oh, with the yeah. alien invasion. <laughs> yeah, so like I said, you know, just, you, you're going along here, you get the, the green, the John Stewart and uh, uh, Hal Jordan, Green Lanterns, flying head-on to face this incoming seed-like, plant-like uh mothership that's uh, encroaching on the earth and they are unceremoniously vaporized and it's kind of like uh did i just see their their skeletons like for a yeah. second before they d- dissipated <laughs> they're dead like, did i did i see that right <laughs> and that's when i like stop i'm like am i on the right episode here what's going <laughs> on uh and sure enough one by one we see the entire league taken out and uh I guess yeah, Red Tornado is is the last standing member of the league, and he puts out that final distress call to the to the members of Young Justice. Uh, you guys are the heroes now, and 
they basically take up the mantle and it's a as as the situation progresses along they they're doing everything in their power to to try and come around it but it seems like no matter what they do the obstacles get increasingly uh severe um so then eventually we find out that martian manhunter has not uh has not met the fate that we thought even though we someone i don't remember seeing it on screen but one of the members say that they saw him get vaporized correct yeah, he was vaporized in the beginning. He was part of the the space team. Oh, okay. Because I went to space team and then it became more grounded. Okay, okay. And they they saw him get vaporized, so they were surprised to find him in the Hall of Justice. I see. And then that was kind of a moment for the lead to remind the audience of what his powers were. It was like, oh, you totally just phased through, and then your brain just got scattered, and you right. end up back at home, like right. you expected to be here. Great idea, Martian. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. No, it wasn't that simple. Right. 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 But then, uh, as as I was kind of mentioning, things things go from bad to worse, and as as they're trying to you know make their way to this this mother mother seed ship to take it out, one by one we actually start to lose members of Young Justice. First with Artemis, and that hits everyone. Well, it appears to hit everyone really hard, um, but primarily I would say McGann and Wally are visibly distressed by. Uh, Artemis being taken out, but oh yeah, that was that like McGann's scream was really hard to watch. Mm, mm-hmm. Um, and then I believe the next one after her is Aqualad, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, when he was saving the troops. Yeah, he's he sacrifices himself to um, allow Martian Manhunter to escape with the rest. And then after that, I it's down to McGann, Martian Manhunter, Wally, and Robin. And they successfully take out the mothership, but at the cost of, of Kid Flash and Robin, correct? Yeah. Okay. They had to sacrifice themselves. Right, right. So then McGann is, is basically left here all on her own and then sees... Oh, no, no, no. She's, she's with Martian Manor still. And they see a second mothership basically descending right in place. And it's like, oh, my God, this is the end. It's all over. Like, what are we going to do? And Martian Manor just punches her through the chest and she wakes up and we find out this entire thing was inception <laughs> uh yeah. it was the matrix we were in the grid um but they immediately uh let you know the gravity even though it was a sim- simulation there are there's major fallout from this it was very real to everybody that was experiencing it because we find out that Martian Manhunter had no idea how powerful a telepath McGann was. Um, I think he says she has the potential to be the most powerful telepath in the universe, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, she's significantly more powerful as a 16-year-old than John is currently as a Justice League member. Right, right. And I, I guess what happened is upon Artemis's death, it felt so real to McGann that her subconscious kicked in. Uh, going back to Inception, that's why I, I, I made that illusion. Her subconscious kicked in, and her emotional force was so strong, she was able to basically influence um, mm-hmm. the rest of the team. So when they experienced something, it felt just as real to them. So when they died, they actually went into comas. So Artemis was in a coma for a, g- a good chunk of time there until John, John you know, could figure out what to do. And it was only after, I guess he said, once the r- other members of Young Justice, their telepathic um 
feedback was eliminated, he was able to, you know, extrapolate the fact that McGann was the source and uh, regain his memories because her emotional fallout was affecting him just as much. Um, yeah, poor Jean, like, went in just to try to stop it, and yeah. he forgot why he was there. He was engulfed into the simulation just as much as everybody else was. And was it Canary? Yeah, Canary made the point where it's like, they weren't supposed to feel anything that they weren't they were emotionless when the league died because they knew they were in a simulation right and as soon as that happened that's when like like you said that the essence of her emotional trauma is what made everybody else think that they were with us so that had the 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 physical repercussions to it right right they were they were in a state of panic when they woke up and they they needed therapy mm. yes which hats off to young justice for putting that on a cartoon network show yeah totally totally uh it would be one thing just to you know focus on all the action uh and and all the fun stuff but that is that is part of what makes this series so great they're not afraid to tackle the more challenging issues of a coming of age story and yeah your mental health and and the fallout of something yeah it's it's kind of like i was (laughs) I was saying I almost needed therapy after this episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was that was one of the things where it's like, man, I, I wanted it. I wanted you to call me the second you were done. <laughs> when you need milk for Zoe and a cold brew for yourself, Kroger Delivery will get you just what you need in as little as 30 minutes. Open the Kroger app and start your cart. Whatever the cart. Whenever, Kroger, fresh for everyone. Delivery time's not guaranteed. Restrictions may apply. See site for details. When you're a Boost member, you get free delivery, double fuel points, and lots more. Sign up at Kroger.com slash Boost. Right here in your neighborhood. Here's a little tale about hard-to-recycle plastics. Their destinies were changed. Their new lives are fantastic. What once was trash can live on as new things with a program that complements your regular recycling. the recycle plastics can be so much more participate in the hefty energy bag program happening in your neighborhood today on watching it <laughs> i should but have we had to save it for this i, should have. <laughs> I, w- I was not okay the first time i watched it just uh, I, like man i'm just watching it like man what's jay scotty thinking right now he's probably freaking out yeah that's it just it caught everybody off guard definitely definitely and it was um, and and like i said like they had been working so hard to like reestablish themselves as a team and then to go through this and be broken and Within so this is episode fifteen. Let's say episode fifteen while you confirm that. So in in fifteen episodes, like we have so much character development from these people. We understand their backgrounds. We understand their story. We understand each person's way of thinking, and to an extent, have an understanding of what their move is going to be because we know their personalities. Right. And the fact that they had these one-on-one therapy sessions. We really got to see that broken down to like basically as molecular as psychology goes to see a different angle of those characters in a most vulnerable state of mind. Right. We got to see how they reacted. You know, some people were trying to be the tough guy. Some people were like, this is all my fault. Um, Superboy ran out at the first time again. Surprise! Right. He's hard headed. In case you guys didn't know that, 
Um, and he had to have the the realization to come back and be like, I need to get my shit together. I'm. He felt good when he quote unquote died because he was like, I got to do what Superman does. Like this is this is what I'm supposed to do. I feel like f- I fulfilled something, and now being back to where he's at, like he feels like he's going backwards, and he has to do it all over again. Yeah, I, I think it's the last thing we actually see in the episode. And, yeah, and this, that's how it. And that's how it wrapped up. Yeah, he he basically played hooky from therapy while every, he played. He went and had fun with the new um, folks from New Genesis and Apocalypse, quote unquote fun, uh, mm-hmm. while everybody else had therapy. And then upon returning, he and it's it's kind of it it kind of echoes his uh, his first you know schooling with. Uh, with Black Canary, she she lets him know, you know, when you're ready, come see me. And Black Canary is such an angel in this show. Oh, yeah. Like she never, never has the "I told you so" mindset. Yeah, she was like, "Hey, like, um, like she'll say off screen, like, kind of in her head, like, hey, you kind of fucked up,' but it's like, what can I do to help? Right, right. And even with um, not to go too much away from the the alien invasion, but even with um, Zatara. Mm. She tries talking to him and convincing him, like, hey, it's okay, trust them. But you see her eyes kind of go off, like, oh, God, what did they do with their daughter, yeah. with his daughter? Um, yeah, Black Canary is such an angel. And those That, that psyche valve of everybody was so amazing to watch. Mm. I liked how... Um, and Robin talking about Batman, too. Yeah. I, And then Wally tried to hit on her. <laughs> Again. Right? <laughs> Um, and then McGann had um, that moment where it, it was a nice uh, nod to those that have, you know, deeper DC knowledge. But if you know anything about white Martians, it's not a good thing. And McGann turns herself Caucasian and Black Canary's like, oh, you're white. She's like, oh, no. And then she sees, oh, she's like, oh, you meant Caucasian. Okay, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like, what do you mean? I'm not one of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but kind of going back to Superboy's little escapade there during the therapy session, you know, as you mentioned, he he felt good even though he was seeing his comrades and his effective family fall around him. It was he mentioned that he got to fulfill his primary purpose, his his earliest memory from his time in that Cadmus pod was that he was supposed to, you know, be Superman should Superman fall. Um he is Superman. So he finally got to, to live that purpose. And it kind of goes back to what you said. Is he, is he going backwards in that regard? But, uh, in terms of the adventure that he has, he meets a very interesting cast of characters. Uh, I think you have, sounds like you have a favorite based on our offline conversation of the, the folks from new, new Genesis. I don't know why I have such a hard time saying that new Genesis. I always want to say Geonosis. <laughs> It's my Star Wars. I think Star Wars is yeah. on the on the mind. You made a Padme reference earlier. Yeah. Too. Well, I, I Star Wars is near and dear to me, so I it it may just be back there in my subconscious always. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, you you mentioned the character of Bear. Um, yeah, I can't stop hearing Patrick Star. <laughs> it's uh, a little problematic. In terms of action, I really like the... I'm sorry, I don't remember any of their names except for Bear. But I really like the Gunslinger. He was the only Kinda one... Kind of reminded... Only... reminded me of... Uh, it reminded me of Kate Six from Destiny. Oh, definitely. It was just really cool watching that. 
He was my favorite as well, so he was the only one whose name stuck out to me. I believe it was Seraphin, if I'm not... Seraphin. Yeah, if okay. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he was really cool. I feel like the leader, his voice is very distinct, too. Yeah, I know he had magnetic uh, abilities, right? Um, yeah. Let me see if I can find out who that was. I know you're the you're the you're the IMDb guy, so yeah, I, I shouldn't. I figured I sh- you'd know what else he would be in because his his voice really stood out. I I don't know if I want to know if Bear's actually Patrick or not, but <sighs> well, that one I was more curious about. Yeah, let me let me look it up here. For some of these later episodes, I unfortunately I did not have the the time to to do all the research, but let's find out. So I was correct on Seraphin, and he is voiced by D. Bradley Baker. Uh, who is a definitely a veteran in the industry. Let's see. That character's name was... Was it Viking? Was it... Does that sound correct? V-Y-K-I-N? Sure, because the other character was a girl and then there was Bear, so... Yeah, and then now that I see the, the voice actor, this has got to be correct. It's Kevin Michael Richardson, who... Yeah. He, uh, just off the top of my head, I know he voiced uh, the Joker in Batman Beyond. Okay. Okay, yeah. Yeah, but uh, it, as far as this episode goes, I, I could not help. I'm sure these... these Actually, I, I'm not super familiar with these particular members of uh, New Genesis. I, I am familiar with a lot of the New Gods. Um, you know, chiefly somebody like uh, Scott Freeman comes to mind. Uh, but they... I could not help but uh, notice the similarities to some groups that uh, do some similar things... Like the Power Rangers and Voltron, yeah. <laughs> Where they? Yeah, uh, the group is really silly, in my <laughs> opinion. I, I wasn't. It, like I said, how Young Justice kind of drops some side villains here and there whose names I don't bother remembering. I, I really don't bother remembering this team too much. They're relevant. They show up. There's a huge thing between the um, New Genesis and Apocalypse, right? And that's the main thing from this storyline understanding the the relationship between mother and father boxes and how they're living computers and how they work together and how sphere is a part of it so they have mother box because like i said that becomes a huge thing later on in the story so Mm, mm. this was a great episode to kind of like set up things to come while addressing the things that happened in the last episode with all the uh the simulation trauma yeah that's a good point Uh, now that you bring that up i'm interested to see how that that through line will be will basically carry through. So um, yeah, it's and that's really the first time. I'll be honest; that's the first time I've ever heard of a, of a father box. I obviously heard of a mother box, and we got the introduction of uh, Desad, who I know is a lieutenant of Darkseid. But uh, one of the things I want to note about his character design—it's uh, not a knock of it; it's just something that I, I found interesting. The way he wore his uh, cloak with his hairline. He actually kind of had a, a hairline not un, unlike mine, but um, <laughs> I could not tell. I could not tell if his hair was black or if he just had like a head that was like concave. And like, I, I think I almost kind of would have preferred if there was like a piece missing of his head and he just kind of had this like concave head that a uh, a cloak supported anyway. But that's just me kind of, you know. I'm like looking up what he looks like now. Uh, I mean, he was, he was, you know, he looks pretty fleshy. Probably. Yeah, pretty fleshy parts of dangly flesh and exposed. Yeah. I remember his face. It's the hairline that's throwing me off. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, you couldn't see all of it. He had the black cloak up, and then you see kind of a like stringy hairline kind of come down to one side. But like I said, it it, oh, okay. it looked a little bit like it could have been like his head was kind of 
caved in. That's just that's just the way they draw the hairlines. But um, while we're on the subject of that, we kind of glossed over, and I, I do realize that I mistakenly said um, Injustice Society. It actually was the Injustice League that served as the yep. the scapegoat for the light. We do we get to see uh, a couple of different characters. We also get the the return of Doctor Fate, which is really cool. Um, again, I I. I tend to like to to focus on the positive more than the negative. I I didn't really like this this version of the Joker. Um, you know, coming off of the Prison Break episode, we got to see their interpretation of the Riddler, mm-hmm. where he had the long sideburns and everything like that. I I felt like this Joker did not really do anything to stand out too much. I understand there's been so many interpretations of the Joker. You have to do something unique. It didn't feel that unique to me. I, I'm glad you pointed that out because that was on my note set too. Okay. Um, there is a really high standard for the Joker. So, I mean, I didn't hate him, but he wasn't like amazing either. Yeah. yeah. It was more of like, I liked Robin and Batman's reactions having to deal with the Joker. I sure. liked that Joker had his his chaos moment of like, we're not going down like this. We're not getting captured and like yeah. launched all the spores. So that was just kind of like, that was me enjoying a Joker moment. Sure. Not so much enjoying Joker I mean, like I said, I didn't hate him. Uh, yeah, I his, didn't. His lines were definitely forced. Like, yeah. oh, how do you keep track of all this? He's like, well, I'm really used to juggling my other personalities. And it's like, ha, 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 okay. Um, <laughs> he's definitely a cringy joker, but there's so many versions of him. Like, yeah. I wouldn't want him to be a Heath Ledger either. Right, right. It worked for what they were doing. The dialogue was forced. Yeah. I mean, obviously, things like that have a, When it comes to Joker, there's a lot of pressure. Oh, of course. Of doing things right. Of course. Um, it, but he did what he needed to do in that. Yeah, he did. He did. We did get um, introduced uh, to some other characters I was not familiar with. Uh, chief among them, I would say uh, the sorcerer was his name Wu-Tan. It's Wotan, Wotan, but I keep thinking like Wu-Tan. Okay, because I was just like, yeah, Wu-Tan Clan. I mean, yeah, that's okay. Wotan. That's how I try to remember it, but it's, it's okay. Wotan. And, it's, and I like that he has history with Dr. Fate, too. Right, right. Yeah, I thought that was that was really interesting, too. And I guess it's important to note we mentioned the return of Doctor Fate, but uh, last time it was Wally that donned the helmet. Um, this time around, it's mm-hmm. actually Aqualad, and that's much to Wally West's chagrin um, initially. But I guess uh, Doctor Fate, the I believe the god's uh, name is Nabu. Nabu the the Nobu Nabu Nobu. Okay, yeah, Nobu sounds more accurate. You, you, You've watched it a few more times than I have. Uh, so I'll defer to your expertise there. Yeah, uh, he agrees to re- relinquish uh, Aqualad. And it seems, again, to, to everyone's surprise, to Aqualad's surprise and to, to Wally's surprise. So It's always always cool to see Dr. Fate in, in action, though. Um, the only real exposure I had ever had to the character outside of some brief comics research was uh the game injustice 2 yeah i wasn't a huge fan of those games this is the first time i've definitely seen dr fate and was a huge fan right off the bat oh yeah i i'm really i really enjoy egyptology too i think it's so fascinating so the fact that there's like um that's why i'm so excited for the moon knight series whenever that comes out for marvel certainly um but that's why i was so fascinated with this and then just kind of like the psychology of it and everything that happens like in that little spirit realm of Nebu, Nobu. Uh, well, let's look it up. So. It's pronounced N A. It's spelled N A B U. Oh, okay. so I want to say Nebu. Okay, maybe Nabu. Um, that's Nabu. That's what it was. Thank you. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, so Nabu's communication with Kent Nelson. Yes, Kent Nelson. I could also, not... real quick, I like how, like, Superboy and McGann finally get their, like, human names. Yes. And he's like, Connor Kent. He's like, oh, after the late Kent Nelson. Right, like, right. Yeah, totally wasn't talking about Clark Kent. <laughs> yeah, that was... That's not what I meant. I appreciate um, that, too. So, yeah, I I love that storyline and how they had to reference it. Like, yeah, if it wasn't for Nabu, then we wouldn't... Like, I wouldn't have gotten out. He said... Mm. Oh, he says hello, by the way. Yep. Uh, I actually totally forgot that that was Plan B, too. So, when it came out, I was like, oh, yeah, we get to see Dr. Faith again. He's so cool. But it really is a constant issue of, like, Dr. Fate having to see these sorcerers constantly come up. And it's really irritating him that he's not more uh, prevalent. And they're showing that, like, Kid Flash is terrified that they're about to lose Aqualad to him. Right. Um, And it it really is a recurring issue for the team to have to deal with. Mm. Definitely. Definitely. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to his his future appearances. Um, he seems like one of those ones that, uh, as much of an ally he can be, um, he's almost uh, objective. He's kind of like an otherworldly observer and objective in his purpose, to where he might seem a little insensitive, especially to characters that we're so endeared to. So um, we'll keep an eye out for him. Uh, I guess the other than I, I kind of want to circle back to Artemis um, in terms of like I guess the episode where it it basically ended up being her she and Robin um, trying to save the rest of the team from the the you know the Red Tornado siblings I believe it was uh, Red Harpoon Red Torpedo, Torpedo. Red Torpedo and originally firebrand who becomes red inferno yeah yeah i i like what the doctor said it's like firebrand was such a ridiculous name yeah yeah um just real quick before we get to that point the last thing i want to say about the injustice league before we wrap that part up of course is this was really like batman made it very clear it's like you guys are ready for this Mm, the rest of the team was like they're still kids like these are our nemesis 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 yeah these are our bad guys. Like, you're sending the kids in to go deal with this? It's like, yeah, we have to be on camera. Everyone has to see that we're busy dealing with this. Right. We trust them. We've trained them for this. They're good to go. Yeah. Super big jump in character development for them. It was a... But yeah, we can... We know about the Reds. Well, it was a. It was a, almost like a, a Regis Philbin from a Who Wants to Be a Billionaire moment because your performance was... He lets it hang for a second. Satisfactory. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely a good moment. Um and just goes back to what you brought up. Batman is very much the the father figure. Um we alluded to all these all these sidekicks. They don't don't call them that. They don't like to be called that. Um they have different relationships to their mentor figures. Um but it, it is really cool. We haven't got to spend as much time with Aquaman obviously or Superman. Superman's still been pretty absent um in this arc so far so i'm still curious to see where where he factors in by choice yeah yeah apparently but yeah it's it's definitely nice to see batman fill that role we already kind of spoke to what a great mother figure black canary's been and as as much as we has have spoken about red tornado it really was cool to see him have that moment where not only were the kids learning from him he actually learned how to be more human 
from them because he could get more emotion and actual experience of what it's like to be a human than he could from the members of the league. That was that was a really cool moment. Which between him and Captain Marvel, that's two instances where they're like, we get so caught up in league business, we forget to be human. Yeah, yeah. We forget to live our lives. Mm. Aside from Red Tornado saying like, yeah, I have watch duty because Oliver and Red Black Canary are on a hot date, as they put it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. I love that uh, Green Arrow continues to be a, a source of uh, comic relief, even though his appearances are pretty limited. But Yeah, him and Wally would probably get along pretty well. Oh, definitely, definitely. But with Green Arrow on the mind, uh, we can kind of circle back to Artemis, as I as I said. And then the only other thing I think we need to hit is uh, Superboy and, and McGann's relationship a little bit more. Uh, but as far as Artemis... Yeah, I'm excited to talk about the, the whole Red fiasco, because that was, that was a crazy couple of episodes. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Uh, yeah, well, let's get into it. Um, as, as, as we mentioned in this particular episode, uh, it basically opens up amongst chaos there's an explosion and uh is it refresh my memory uh, were robin and uh robin and artemis were attending gotham academy is that why they weren't present yeah so it was time for everybody to meet up and they ended up going to the same zeta tube it's like oh what are you doing here in gotham i thought you were in star city that's what it was okay robin just took a selfie with him in in person so he's just like playing dumb of like oh yeah i have no idea what you're doing here but in reality you know robin was just kind of like hanging out waiting for her to show up at that point just to mess with her (laughs) yeah Uh, so because we know that artemis is a little shady and has her secret she was naturally late and robin was waiting for her so he was late Right, well. right, and you and you bring up the fact that she is shady and has her secrets, and uh, I they've done a good job of showcasing the fact that that becomes a bit of a, a source of anxiety for her. Not only in the previous coverage did we mention how she kind of had to, even though she was per- perfectly capable of accomplishing the mission, she had to make it appear as though she wasn't. This was a really good opportunity for her to come into her own and. It continued that trend. I, I mentioned it last time. You know, Robin continues his jokes with the the prefixes. This time, they are both distraught, and he is proud of Artemis when she's able to get trot. Um, <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was a really good moment for me. And basically, every every member of the league is taken out, and eventually, Robin is abducted as well. And they're basically about to kill him. And she's able to land a really nice shot where she completes the um, electrical charge the yeah, for the MP and, and, and takes them out. So, uh, did you have any other, yeah, did you have any other big takeaways for her character? You just kind of mentioned um, you're excited to get into this whole Red's arc. Um, it's more of them together. Okay. I mentioned in the the Abalia episode in the desert where you have to you see them with the bare minimum. Mm. So not having powers and then not having the tools they need, they are still very capable heroes. Right. And you see you see the mental development of Dick Grayson over Artemis at this point too, because she keeps reiterating like, "How are you so calm?" Like you see. Robin, like, hacking into the computer, finding blueprints, coming up with solutions, finding the people, staying, like, staying in combat. Yeah. 
And then moving on to the next thing and still cracking jokes, too. Right. And she's like, how are you joking at a time like this? She's like, well, I've been dealing with this since I was nine. Like, yeah. you don't get emotions from Batman. Mission focus. Yeah. And that line comes up in the in the, the therapy session, too, where Robin basically says, he's like, I don't want to be Batman. I can't, fo- I can't be just mission-oriented. Like, I need to find a way to be my own person. And this episode is a very strong indication of that, that there's a humanity to him that Batman doesn't quite have a hold on or doesn't quite appreciate and he's becoming his own person he's showing how capable heroes are despite not having powers like the people without powers are the ones who never got captured yeah oh actually i had not made that that connection but that is a excellent connection they are the two members that do not have any powers great yeah kid flash and superboy were stuck in the water right and Megan and Aqualad almost died being in that fire prison. Right, right. There's been so, a, uh, sorry to cut you off, but there's been a couple of times where they they've made me really, really concerned about Aqualad's hydration levels. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and that was one of them. Water, I need water, Sandy. <laughs> <laughs> I understood. Somebody keep an IV for this guy. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah. Robin, despite his age, has become a role model for Artemis because this was a huge thing for Artemis of not only wanting to be as strong as her sister Cheshire Mm. and being independent and the whole every woman fights for herself uh, mentality, like being able to live on her own, being able to be as much of a badass she is. And now she sees that a member of her team is just as capable of taking care of himself despite how harsh a situation is, this was a really, really big growing point of Artemis as a person and developing that self-confidence of like, right. you know what, I'm a badass too. I got this. I'm a fucking hero. Let's get this job done. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I really have any anything more I can add. You were, you were very eloquent in your analysis of that. You did a better job of uh, capturing some of the nuance that, I certainly picked up on, but I, I was not able to uh, vocalize as, as well as you were. So thank you for that uh, after, astute analysis there, my friend. After six views, I would hope I'd have something to say about it. <laughs> That's what's so kind of rewarding about even being able to like break it down like this. Um, I've, I've rewatched as many of the episodes as I've been able to, but obviously with some of the later episodes, I was only able to get one viewing in. So it really mm-hmm. does. Um, I'm looking forward to going back and rewatching that with the context that you just provided like yeah and that goes to speak to to the quality of the show the fact that some shows i we're all fans of like these these marvel and dc properties and sometimes you feel like an obligation to to see everything and watch it all but it's so nice when a show like this is just you look forward to watching it like when the episodes are over it's like oh yeah I i can't wait to throw on the next one so um, yeah, so listeners, if you are watch- listening to these episodes before watching the show, I don't know what's wrong with you. Stop doing that. <laughs> go watch these episodes first. Listen right. to us and then go watch it again because you know you want to. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think we've, uh, as far as the big swings, um, did you have anything else with the, the Reds that you wanted to, to touch on? Uh, again, I really do appreciate how they kind of show the history of the League. Okay. So you see red red torpedo was made first right and you see that they mentioned that he was too human that was a flaw of his yep but you see him work with jay garrick right so you see the history of the flash family 
And then they show Red Inferno. I'm just going to call her that because the other name is lame and not worth remembering. <laughs> um, and how she's worked with Dr. Fate before. So she has some history. But then she was too much of a hero. And then both of these aspects really do come in when Red Volcano. Right. Who is a badass of a character, if I'm being oh, honest. Yeah. yeah. Um, was causing chaos and they were just like you see that no matter how much they got reprogrammed and repurposed it was like no we're we're heroes we're here to do our thing and yeah three of them died and Red Tornado was like saved at the very end but that was it was cool seeing the past of it and then how much being a hero and doing a right thing means to this core group of people androids sorcerers like it doesn't matter which category you lie under like when you're it's almost like the whole Hawkeye and Wanda moment in Age of Ultron where it's like you're in or you're or like if you want, I'll call your brother to save you. You can go back home or you're just fully into this. You're an Avenger. Yeah. It's yeah. really like that That line is so appropriate to this. It's like you're part of the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're and, a hero or you're not. Right. Right. And then uh, you – I, I appreciated – you brought it up. I appreciated it as well that we got to kind of see little snapshots of, you know – previous iterations of the league as well as the justice society and i can't remember i want to say it was the image of red tornado with alan scott version of green lantern do you know i don't know who alan scott is so, so it would have been that. that image of a, a guy with like a cape with a raised collar with a lantern hanging around his chest that was the first version of, of green lantern but that that's a whole that's a whole another you know character primer we could we could dive down there but the reason I bring it up is because it just kind of uh, reminded me of another, not only graphic novel, but uh, I appreciated the the movie. It's it has its detractors, but uh, Watchmen. Watchmen did a really good job of showing you know multiple generations of, of superheroes, and they kind of did that through the snapshots of the ages. So that was just something that kind of stood out to me when we saw that snapshot of Red Tornado along with Alan Scott. It definitely had. I felt like it was a pretty pointed reference to to Watchmen, but I could be mistaken there. Yeah. And like I told you uh, offline, I'm a huge Zatanna fan. I had such a huge crush on her as soon as she came up and the fact that like Dick Grayson's like super into her and like trying to flirt. But like she's enjoying it and she's flirting back and like that connection between like right off the bat is so cute. Yeah. But she's so observant as well. Like when they were having the psychic link, like she was reading the body language. Like I think she's 13, 14 as well. Yeah. 14 sounds right. Um, which is really weird to say after my last sentence, so please don't judge me for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so it was, it was, it's. It, I like how observant she is. Like that chemistry definitely works with Robin, and she is like a get shit done type of person. She wasn't like, oh no, we shouldn't do this, but she's also had that confinement of her father Zatara, who's a sorcerer for the Justice League. Um, and you see the whole, like, protective father of, like, no, she should stay, like, within my sight. Like, no, she shouldn't hang out with those people I don't know them type of thing. And she goes out and she gets into a bunch of trouble. But um, you see that she's developing with her powers as well. She's still learning. She's doing the best she can with what she's dealing. And she has that progress to go to of having the self-confidence and learning her spells and remembering spells and being able to pull it out in a second's notice. And her... She's not quite part of the team, but it, in terms of her appearance in with the team in this episode was just it was it was really cool for things to come. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you you mentioned that she will be appearing later on because 
she the character is Zatanna I am more familiar with than her father so I mentioned it when we when we covered the pilot but they had that you know magician sorcerer character pop up and I I wasn't super familiar with it where with who he was so it's it's cool that you get to spend time with characters that aren't necessarily associated with the the young versions um that you can you can spend time with them by way of young justice because as as long a tenure as uh wally west has had as kid flash in the comics more often than not in the especially in the um the justice league animated series which this took a lot of inspiration from wally west served as the primary flash rather than barry allen for a lot of people so i always appreciate uh when we can spend more time with these different versions of these characters and It'll be cool to see Zatanna come back. Um, yeah, I even have in my notes. It was what's really impressive about the show is that they address something like you're supposed to know about it. The relationship between Batman and Robin is really cool because Robin has studied up on Batman's cases, so he was like, "Oh, it's this person. Oh, it's that person. Oh, we're talking about this." Like, it shows the history that the league has with these villains and with these threats. And throughout the episode, they do a really good job of showing the history, sprinkling what's the big deal about them, as opposed to, like, spending a lot of time just talking about them and then it being action. It's very... It's divided very well. And they do a really good job of explaining the history and the story and the powers and the struggles of the people of the League without having to give League members the whole episode. Because they're not... As much as I love their characters, they're not the highlight of the show that's not what the spotlight's supposed to be so they're giving you a lot of league story but incorporating it into the team instead of like taking away from the team's attention okay yeah i could definitely appreciate that uh perspective there um i guess uh the only there they are characters that we have covered kind of um separately as we as we've discussed them we certainly mentioned the the big episode that mcgann had as well as some of the adventures Superboy had, but I guess the only thing that we really haven't um, discussed in great detail in, in context of this this particular arc of the season is that their romantic relationship really comes to fruition. We've had a lot of flirtations and whatnot, and um, so they finally get together. Um, but it's not with it's not you know it's not smooth sailing right off the bat. You know, Superboy has to learn some lessons in uh, the fact that McGann can kind of hold her own right yeah i mean poor guy's only like what four months old and is in a relationship now <laughs> four well, month four, old dating a 48 year old i was just about to say that yeah <laughs> it's queen cougar right there that's right <laughs> about- i like how other other members of the team in league have noticed but that's like even aqualot says like it's not my business to say anything and everyone's right. like we know you're a couple right and that's the one person who needs to know, Kid Flash, still doesn't know yet. Yeah, and as, as much as it has not been like said outright to him, it seems like he he may know that she's not interested because it seems like he's uh, diverted his whether he wants to admit it or not. He's uh, diverted his interest to Artemis because even Black or no, no no Black Canary calls out Artemis for caring what Wally thinks during the therapy session. Yeah. I thought it was the other way around for a second, but even that being said, I think there's it's obvious that they have some uh, number one affection just mm-hmm. on a friendship level that they would both kind of begr- begr- begrudgingly admit 
Um, but I think there's some romantic interest that has been seeded there as well. Feels yeah. weird to say seeded in that context, but. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you have any other big takeaways for this particular set of episodes we're discussing here? No. Okay. No, um, I, I think we've been I'm pretty... I'm ready for the finale. <laughs> right, right, yeah. It's been a big build-up. And uh, one of the things I mentioned before, the the, men, the momentum has been really, really nice, and I like the trajectory. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how these final episodes really pay off. And they've definitely set, them, set themselves up for a pretty bombastic finale because like I already mentioned, there were a couple of times in this season already where if you didn't know, you'd probably think that you were watching the finale. So yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how they up the ante. Um, but with that being said, uh, please tune in next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the animation deliberation podcast, the podcast where we take action animation and cartoon seriously, but not too seriously. My name is J. Scotty St. Clair. You can find me on Twitter at J. Scott for real. That's the number four R and that's R double E L real. And my Instagram is J. Scotty for real spelled the same way there, just with a Y on the J. Scotty. And uh, you can find this podcast, obviously, as well as a family of other podcasts on the Stranded Panda Podcast Network. We've got the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, the Star Trek Universe podcast, as well as the Star Wars Universe podcast. So please check out the wonderful things we're doing there. There's a rich community that is uh, active on YouTube as well as Twitch. Zuhair, any closing words for us? Yeah, if you just want to check out some photography, uh, go to Instagram and go to Z Ali Photography, and you will find some of my work over there. So more of you guys follow, the more I'll be motivated to post. So help me out a bit. Sweet. That'll be a real aster for everybody. <laughs> be well, folks. One, two, three. Wait, I gotta say, stay whelmed. There's a highway that stretches across the 93 days of summer where worship isn't offered to the sun, but to the smoking tire, the S-curve, and the spin turn. And if you ride it, Make sure you do it in a Dodge Charger, Challenger, or Durango. Because on this highway, the lines being blurred are the ones between drivers and demons. Welcome to Highway 93. Dodge is a registered trademark. Right here in your neighborhood. Here's a little tale about hard-to-recycle plastics. Their destinies were changed. Their new lives are fantastic. What once was trash can live on as new things. With a program that complements your regular recycling. plastics can be so much more. Give the trash a second chance it was hoping for. Your hard-to-recycle plastics can be so much more. Participate in the Hefty Energy Bag program. Happening in your neighborhood today.